All right, we're live. We're back. I think I said volume seven, running back to hits. It's Lee. It's youngest. Another classic episode in the books. Young, youngest, what's up, man? How you doing right now? I'm doing good, Lee. How are you doing? I'm good. We're recording this a day early. I think I'll still probably put it on Monday, but yeah, it's Saturday now. We're recording it a day early. Um, and yeah, we're just going to get right into it. Young, youngest, what's the topic at hand today, bro? So today, me and Lee because we've been in the spirit of arguing lately, decided we're going to each discuss an album that we think is a classic and try to convince the other person it is. Um, spoiler, we both discussed our albums beforehand, so we knew what to listen to, and we picked ones that we knew the other one didn't agree, didn't have as high of an opinion on as the other person. Yes. So, before we get into that, though, I think it's best to probably try to talk about what we define as a classic. Um, so that way you kind of know what we're getting at. Uh, Lee, do you really have a definition? What's what's a classic to you? So for me, it's super fluid. Like to, an album could be a classic just because like it's that good. All the songs are on it are that good. It could be a classic because of the influence it had on its genre or music as a whole. Um, yeah, to me, it's super fluid. I see all sides of what what people's definitions of what a classic are. And I, gen- I genuinely, generally accept all of them. So I accept all those definitions myself. I'm not super picky on it. So uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'd agree with you. For the most part, but I do think there's been, especially in the genres that we discuss, and mostly with rap, because it's relatively new, um, people tend to hang on to the past because it was so instant and so big right out the gate. Yeah. So there is like a coalition of people, usually older people that'll sit and argue that certain stuff made recently isn't a classic because it's not something they grew up on. It's not something they had the attachment to. So they kind of fight it a little bit, but I'd say how they decided was really just based off how good it was, um, the impact it had on everyone around them. So if it's could be the best album in the world and it's something you love a lot, but if, not everyone around you is playing it nonstop. It's really hard to consider it a classic in that sense. Yeah, um, I agree. Which is going to be interesting for the two albums we're going to talk about. Yeah. Because even and, real quick, I, I see like, because some like, man, there's so many like sub definitions of class. You got cult classics. People like to say they're personal classics. And like, I feel all that because at the end of the day, we're just talking about this very subjective art form. So However, anybody wants to say something as a classic, I re- I respect it and I understand it. It's not just a subjective art form. We can't even come up with a definition of what the accolade we're giving is. Like exactly, it's, exactly. It's subjective to that point and to a point that is going to be different for everyone. But I'd say the two albums we're going to talk about are more under what you were saying is like a personal classic. I don't think either one really had a massive impact on everyone. Right. Um, the only album I can really think of Lately, is maybe to pimp a butterfly. I'm trying to think of yeah. another one that to pimp a butterfly like. is is one of those. I mean, you could you could argue Good Kid too. Honestly, you could argue both Kendrick hip hop albums. But yeah, there's yeah we haven't seen as much in other spaces that people that is widely heralded as like a classic work. So I'm gonna be honest, I don't really hang out in other spaces, so there probably is something. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure it's out there, like. But I mean, even like, you know, I listen to like country music. There aren't a lot of like records that people are saying like, oh, this is a classic country record. Um, yeah. So. And part of that could be because of the way we consume music now. Uh, you don't really let to get things breathe and people exactly. aren't really listening to the same stuff. There's so yeah. many options. Exactly. Um, I've also noticed that like the past few years, especially, I don't know if it's just music quality, but it's hard for an album to stay. I listen to something, I enjoy it for the week, I enjoy it for two weeks. It's it's hard for the staying power the way it used to be. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's that, the vo- the volume of music 
and also how we've changed like the psychology of like music viewers like it's yeah like you said it's just not the same as it was back then bro like we like someone puts out what if you consider something a classic people are on their neck the next year like hey where's the next album like people don't even have the time to just like develop albums like they used to so yeah it's tough now it's tough i I think records are still getting made that you can consider classics that i consider classic albums but yeah it's it's very different and i I would even say it's harder now than it used to be honestly a lot harder yeah um yeah is there anything you think you stand on the tapimpa butterfly stuff because now i'm thinking about it like I don't know if Roddy Rich's album was a classic, but I know a lot of people have been listening to that lately. You know, like I'm trying to think of stuff that I, I feel like everyone I know has listened to, everyone I know has had a conversation about it. The Roddy, I think that will fall under more of that, not even cult, but it's like a genre classic. Like I think people, and even to narrow it down even more, I think people who are in a certain age group who were tapped into that genre understand what that album was and how it was a culmination of so much and but that's exactly my point that's why older people are so reluctant because when rap was first starting out they were in the same age group that the people that are really into roddy are now yep so they just decided these things we're going to call the purple tape a classic which i do love i'm not going to sit here and argue against that but i'm saying that was like the standard set and if you deviate from that standard standard they're going to argue with you but they don't really get to make the shots anymore i mean me and you are even leaving the point where we get to call that call what is a classic what's not and it's a thing that's got to evolve with age yeah and that's where when you get a when you get an album like to butterfly that's when you like you really know something is a classic because older hip-hop heads were like yeah this is it this is a classic record for sure and younger kids were like, holy shit, yeah, this is a classic record too for X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, it's and, tough, but. I mean, we don't even have to dig into it, but you've said yourself, like, that's not even your favorite Kendrick album. Yeah. And yeah. that's something we're not going to argue just because of the widespread appeal and the widespread, like, acclaim for it. Yeah, even, like, that's not my favorite Kendrick record, but that is the Kendrick classic that's the way it's going to be viewed as time goes on. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be the one that's what so-and-so solidified. Yeah. Um, so that's a good segue. Yeah. The albums we're going to talk about today, my album's going to be I Am Greater Than I Was. And I'm going to, and I picked uh, Party Next Door 2 by Party Next Door. Yeah. So, I think we're going to start with I Am Greater Than I Was by 21 Savage. Yes. I'm, I'm going to let you talk. Since it's your pick, I'm going to let you kind of lay it out for us. All right. It was a 2018 album that was released at the end of December. If I recall correctly, 2018 was a pretty strong rap year. Uh, and 21 kind of stole the show with a week left. <laughs> um, yeah. My favorite album from that year might be I Am Greater Than I Was, but I think 777 by uh, Key and Kenny, yeah. Kenny Beats really, really like held on to that. So that could have also been a pick of mine. But yeah, I Am Greater Than I Was. As soon as it came out, um, I'm not a 21 Savage fan. I feel like I discussed this on the show a little bit. Yeah, we talked I, about it briefly. Oddly enough, I'm probably going to get yelled at for that, but I still picked this because it made me see him in a different light. And he really, I felt like he did something different. Um, re-listening now and going back and listening to Savage Mode and a little bit of uh, Issa kind of realized that there is a lot of similarities, but I felt like a level of growth here that I didn't feel with the others. I agree. I think that's the best way to describe it is like a maturation. Mm-hmm. Um, as for my argument why it's a classic, well, well, I can't argue that it had too big of a cultural impact. Um, a lot peaked at number 12 
uh, and nine songs did debut on the Billboard Hot 100. So it wasn't like a massive, massive hit, but I did feel like it was something that stayed with me personally and stayed with a lot of people I knew for a long, long time. I still listen to it periodically, songs I always want to go back to, and 21's released stuff after it, and I still find myself going back to I Am Greater Than I Was. But uh, Lee, can you tell me about the first time you heard it? Or so your relationship to it? I, I think I heard it night of, because I remember hearing people on Twitter talking about a lot, and I was like, okay, let me see what this is about. And like you, I'm not like a, I, lo- I like 21. I think he's a <clears throat> super talented guy, but I'm not like a, as much of a fan as maybe some of our discord friends are. And at the time I remember listening to it and liking it, not being blown away with it or anything, but as it grew and matured aged, even though it's only been like three years, but <laughs> even as I listened to it this week for, per- for uh, prep, um, I know I noticed that maturation process, like how he was growing compared to his older work, but he's still grounded. Like he didn't, you know, reinvent the wheel with this. But there were moments like the uh, the song with Post Malone is one that comes to mind where he just he kind of showed like I'm more than just this dark, menacing ass rapper. Like I can make songs that have pop appeal, and he showed that with the uh the post malone song the song i think it's like the next to last song it's called a letter to my mama or something like that i love that song i fucking love that song and songs dedicated to my mother is one of my favorite like sub genres of hip-hop like they're just some of my favorite songs when people are just rapping about how much they love their mother so i love that song i'm the opposite really i I, I fucking hate those songs yes I, i find them usually to be like redundant and most of the time they're the same thing um it is cool that these artists make it to a point where they feel like they have the ability to like send appreciation to their mom so that's cool i'm not gonna not gonna pretend like i want them to stop yeah but i'm not i'm not gonna listen to it (laughs) i think the main reason i think the main reason i love it is because when we like listen to rappers it's this like big grandiose a lot of lies and like when you get into these songs it just like really humanizes them and you relate to them on a level that like you don't with other songs they're so lying in them too don't worry yeah (laughs) yeah i i i like this album too um i'll let you kind of start if you want to do a little breakdown of it but yeah like i said i don't think it's a classic but i do like this album a lot um the features on here are nuts i think that's my favorite part is the features one of the best one of the best uh albums not to list them to all right my fault um yeah the features on here what's your favorite feature let's see um hmm. that's a good question it's gotta be new i think it's nudie on 4l for yeah. me <laughs> it's city girls for me like <laughs> yeah oh. a- on a and is the song to me i remember when this album came out people were like people did not like a and i don't know where you stand on a but okay but do you know before we dig into it um i found this out like i definitely did not know it at the time but do you know a is a sample no i did not three six mafia song ass and titties oh i did okay okay yeah i didn't know that yeah, so it's actually by a hypnotized camp posse, which is like I I have no idea. Three Six Mafia did like a label album, so I just think it's a three six song. Um, okay, but yeah, yeah. I love A and T, and I I got that influence because I heard like the I almost thought at the beginning I heard like a chicken head sample, which is what I thought it was at first. But yeah, I love what he did with that song of just bringing of like basically making a city girl song <laughs> like yeah that was just hilarious to me and i love that song yeah um, and he fits he fits in perfectly yeah um, his verse hilarious the the city girls go crazy on it jt's verse is like next level on that uh yeah i'm a big fan of the first i think the first three songs on the album really like set the tone 
Um, when I did hit play on a lot, I didn't expect to listen to the rest of the album because, like I said, not the biggest 21 fan. I was like, I'll get the highlights later. Yeah, how'd you, how'd you feel about the Cole feature? I know we're talking about 21, but how'd you feel about the Cole feature? I mean, I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. I think he does one of the best things he can do on it. Um, but he he really reached like just off the beat because the other albums are really menacing. Yeah. So with like a lot with the soul sample right away, you you were seeing that he was touching a different zone. So yeah, I kind of just let it run. And then all of a sudden break the law plays and we get back to a little bit more menacing. Yeah. But he doesn't slow down. He keeps the same energy that he had on a lot. Yeah. So even though the beat slows down, he doesn't slow down at all. And then we go into ass and titties and he's doing the same thing. And it just keeps picking up one after another. Yep. Um, it doesn't really slow down again until it can't leave without it. I don't think. Um, might, might be my favorite song on this album. I can't love, live without it. I love "Can't Live Without It." That in my college, that was my roommate's favorite song. We played it all the time. I <laughs> love that song. I love that song. Yeah, I mean Sergio Kitchens, shout out Gunner. Yeah, really. Uh, does his thing on there, and Lil Baby does his thing, and they. Uh, they really. I mean, he just fits so well with everyone on here. There wasn't really a feature that. That's the thing that I noticed the most. Place. Yeah. All the features mesh so well. The offset feature on 1.5, like, mm-hmm. that's another one where I was like, man, they have such good chemistry on a track. Like, they always have and they always will. Like, it makes me think of, like, the alternate universe where, like, Migos breaks up and Offset and 21 just, like, or like, a duo. Because yeah. they just have so much chemistry on a track. And 1.5 is another one that I just fucking love. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the there are very few artists that like can have this many features and I don't feel like it's forced or like pushed in. Um, maybe other people feel that way, but there wasn't a time I feel like someone shouldn't have been on the song and him not listing the features made it so people aren't hunting um, and they're kind of listening to everything and they get surprised when a uh, schoolboy pops up on good day. Yeah. Like I, I really. Speaking of project Pat, a fucking killer verse from project pat on good day jesus christ yeah <laughs> yes um, yeah i kind of wow i kind of forgot he was on there but now i'm remembering it yeah, yeah like that you get donald glover right out the gate childish gambino on monster um but but the flow of the album kind of goes like really upbeat aggressive it seemed like he was having fun making it yeah uh, as much as I like menacing music, especially from guys like Nudie, I know there's like different sects of Atlanta rap and like different types of Atlanta rap. 21 never really did it for me because I just couldn't, I couldn't take his voice going that slow. And when you hear him speed up and he ups the tempo and he has some fun with it and he's loose with it on all these other songs, on I Am Greater Than I Was, I don't. I can't even go back to the older stuff. Like listening to X now, which I really liked, I'd rather just turn it off and play Ass and Titties. I'd rather yeah. turn it off, play Break the Law. This is such a weird album for me because when I was trying to say why I didn't think this album is a classic, I was really thinking like, is this my favorite Twenty One Savage project? And I, I don't. I still don't know. I, um, like, I still don't know. But I do say this project is. Even though I don't think it's a classic, what I will say is it's very crucial for 21 Savage because what we had seen earlier on in his career before this, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that would have been sustainable if he and if he still would have like been here in the same capacity that he is now because he dropped this album and showed a little more versatility. So I don't know if it's a classic, like I said, but it's very crucial. And it made me personally, I gained a lot of respect for 21 after this album. Uh, that I didn't have before. Um, I don't know if I got it. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. The only negative I will say about this album is, hey, why was he whispering on ASMR, man? Like, <laughs> that's the only negative thing I have to say about this album. Like, so, <laughs> As I was discussing, like, how it kind of 
keeps the same tempo until can't leave without it, where he kind of slows it down. Then we hit the run, can't leave without it. A little more menacing. Then he gets the ASMR where he's whispering, which I I don't know. <laughs> I don't mind it. I like it. I do listen to it. Like I let it play on the album. Um, yeah, I wouldn't cut it off or anything, but yeah, if if I'm if it pops up on shuffle and I'm in the mood, I let it play. Like I don't mind it. Sometimes it gets, you know, music pops up in my head again. Like it's stuck in my head. I think of something. Someone says something. It reminds me of a line from a song. So I might throw it on there. Um, but ball without you. Thank you for getting and, this. I just had I had to make sure I didn't forget it. Yeah, thank you. No, I will never forget ball without you because that really shows like. He's not a one-trick pony. Uh, yes. This could have very easily been a corny song. Could have very easily been bad. Yeah. And he found a way to keep what he continues to do and talk about something that he's not used to talking about. And he did it in the most effective way. And he did it in an entertaining way. He did it in a way that I just keep going back to it again and again. Yeah, I said Can't Leave That is my favorite song. That is not true. Ball That is my favorite song on this album. Listen, you've changed your favorite song. I, I do I do that. I do that. Ball Without You on this record. This isn't a classic. <laughs> because this song is risky and it's bold and it's genuine. Um what he's Mr. doing. Ambitious. And unexpected <laughs> is another one. There's so, a lot of adjectives to describe this song. And yeah, he knocks it out of the fucking park. Like, and yeah, he, this song could have been corny so easily. Like, but no, for, for the lady song never works. Yeah. It never works. If, if that's not something you're used to doing, it never works. And somehow he pulled it off because, um, was it this time? I think it was before this album. He started popping up on Instagram a lot, singing like 90s R&B. Yeah. On R&B on IG Live. <laughs> so. Yeah, he, he was playing with that a little bit. Yeah, when he starts like auto-tune crooning on the back half of this song, I just I just I just sing badly with him like every every yeah. time. <laughs> like that's that's the thing, is like with ASMR and ball without you, it doesn't sound it works, but it doesn't sound good. We can't pretend like he can sing, we can't yeah. pretend like he's got a soft voice where he can do ASMR. It just ends up working because I don't know. I guess he's charismatic in that way that he can do whatever the fuck he wants and we're really just going to sit and listen to it and enjoy yeah. it. I mean, I, think, I enjoy it. It just, I think to me it stands out just because it's so different from, like you said, what you would expect from a 21. And when you do, you're like, oh, shit, he's got this in the bag too. And so you just find yourself enjoying it. So, yeah, Ball Without You is my my last submission for the best song on this album. It will not change. Ball Without You is the best song on this album, for sure. Yeah. And we... uh pick back up to good day and pet see padlock this is the one that's gonna get me yelled at padlock reminds me too much of old 21 and it's not the 21 that i'm too fond of um as i was talking about earlier like him over the menacing stuff it works sometimes for me other times i just can't stick with it and pat padlocks that one it's too mundane to me yeah. it's very, very, very emotionless which is yeah you know what you expect from 21 but i actually like i actually like padlock yeah exactly. it's not what he's doing on to me it's like i i in my notes like all the in elite b-side like it's very much a b-side when you look at this album it's not something you would hear at a concert um it's not something you would hear out but when you play the album though you're like oh yeah uh, padlock is on here like that's how i feel whenever i hear it so yeah i, I feel you it definitely kind of stands apart from the other stuff but then we go into monster which has maybe the best rapping childish verse and god knows how long i'd really have to think about it but it might be in my top five like childish no, I, I, I will say rapping. i i was gushing about the features childish gambino was the only feature on here that i i personally just did not enjoy i really i just what? i don't know man like and I like Childish Gambino rapping. Like his uh, we were talking about his Gangsta Grills mixtape a couple days ago. I like that tape a lot. I like when he raps, but I don't know, man. It just didn't. It was very much him trying to fit into a Twenty One song, and I, I don't know. It it just didn't work for me. I like Twenty One on it though, 
I just, I just didn't mm-hmm. love I just didn't love what Gambino did on there. Yeah, I mean, I really like the uh, production on Monster. It's yeah, the little kids screaming in the background. I, I like that over songs all the time. The production in general, I think. This. No disrespect to Twenty One. I think it's the high note of the album. That the production is just great all the way through. There's not oh, a bad beat it, on here. It really carried it. Yeah. Um, it helped him get to the level that he needed to get for me to make call an album a classic of his. Like <laughs> a lot of the songs I like here are because of the production. Even when we go back to like Ball Without You, the piano on that, like that's really what sets the tone and makes the song. Um, he he doesn't really do anything too different that he has on the other ones. I do like the lyrics a lot. Big, big bars on this one. Um, yeah. He makes me laugh a ton. We talk about ass and titties. Like, yeah. Uh, and I'm, yeah, we, I think we've. Her Instagram we, location, the beach, but she at home, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do like it. But uh, Yeah, me and you have talked about it before. And I think some people, I think we share the same opinion that 21 just isn't that good of a rapper, <laughs> like, which is fine. A lot of people who make rap music aren't great rappers nowadays, but. It, it's not like that much of a detriment here. Like he doesn't say anything that just really makes me shake my head or like get annoyed with the song. He he just, he plays his part on it. Um, yeah. When he's not elevating it, he just plays his part. So, yeah. And then from Monster, Letter to My Mama, which we kind of went over already. Yeah. But then did I, did I claim a favorite song? I don't think I claimed a favorite song. I don't think, I think you said, I don't think you said 4L was a, maybe, I don't know. I don't think you claimed it, but. Well, I'm going to claim it here. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I said 4L had my favorite feature with Nudie, and that's because Nudie and 21 on this work, like, peanut butter and jelly, I don't know what to say. Yeah. You know, peanut butter and jelly with a knife. Uh, yeah. The only way to do it, but which, is apparently well, up for, which is apparently up for debate, but that's a whole other <laughs> thing. That's a whole other thing. But, yeah, 4L, 4L just, like, a ton of fun. It's back to the menacing stuff. Um, which again, I said I normally don't like, but Nudie does it so well. Uh, I also feel like when those two, I believe they're cousins, right? Yeah, I think you told me that because I asked on our uh, on the pilot because I was like, we we talked about the Nudie, and they had a song on it. Okay. And I was like, they mesh so good. Like, why do they not do more stuff together? And you were telling me about all the stuff they do together and that they're related. So, yeah, I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. Um, if they're not, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But, they're both I, well, at the very least they're both in the same area so yeah they i feel like those two when they get on songs together they try to rap, out rap each other and it just ends up being the best you could possibly get on a song yeah and you and you notice it from 21 not to say that he was coasting but when you get before when you get to 4l there is a noticeable difference in the way he's like i'm about to tear the shit out of this beat and I'm not fucking yep. around. Like, you feel that on 4L. And we just end the album that way. Like, yep. he ends it out with the bang, with the yep. biggest bang possible. Um, yeah, there isn't really, like, fat on this album. It's 15 songs. I agree. 50 minutes. It's a, it's usually a good run. Um, yeah, I agree. There's, no, there's nothing, like, cuttable on here to me. I would agree with that. Yeah, um, everything seems like it belongs. But... Yeah, I mean, really, listen. My, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. For, my argument for it being a classic is it had impact as soon as it was released. Um, it did get a platinum certification, so people did listen to it. To me, it's something that I revisit a lot. It's something I feel like elevated the career of someone that I didn't really think could reach this height. And that that's really just a classic to me if it's something i'm going to constantly revisit i mean we're nearly three years away and i'm going to keep going back to it and i feel like it hasn't really lost its it doesn't feel dated at all it it doesn't feel out of place i feel like i could play a lot of this stuff in a lot of situations and no one's really gonna feel like they are either nostalgic about it no one's really gonna feel like they're listening to something that's uh dated 
Um, It's not going to bring back like a memory. It feels like this is all music that people listen to consistently and stays in playlists and stays around for me. So, I mean, that's, that's really my argument. So I I feel you. Uh, (laughs) The main reason why I would say it's not a class. Some of the, some of it I kind of got into earlier is for a guy like 21, it's hard for me to say it's a classic when I, I can't even decide if it's his best work. So for me, that's like, that's a big one. I don't, I don't know if it's his best album. I, I juggle with that. So like I said, I think it's crucial. It's a very important album for 21. It showed, it, it's, it's a stepping stone for what I hope he can continue to grow into. But I don't know if it's a, another, I don't know if it's a classic for that. Another reason is, I don't, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's the best rap album from that year. Um, so in 2018, it came out the end of 2018, some shit that we got, we got Die Lit. I don't know if it's better than Die Lit. Um, we got Harder Than Ever by Baby. I don't know if it's better than that. Um, we got Victory Lap. I don't know if it's better than Victory Lap. And uh, a personal one for me, Goodbye and Good Riddance by Juice World. I don't know if I would say it's better than that album. So something that is kind of important for a classic to me is it kind of stands out when you look at what came out around that time. Like... So I don't know, for those reasons, I don't know if I would call it a classic. I think it's a really good album. I think it's important, crucial for 21's career. Um, definitely wrote around to a lot of these songs, but I don't I don't know if I could give it that yet. So what, at this point, what does it have to do for, is it possible for you to change your mind on it? Like, do you have to wait a few years and see that it's still like to around? To me, the only way, it would have to the way I feel about it now, I would have to feel that way in like five or 10 years. Okay. So time is, time is important for that. If I, if, if 21 makes like three or four more albums and I look back and I'm like, yeah, that is the, the quintessential, quintessential 21 Savage album. Then I I could maybe see it, but it's tough. It's going to be tough. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever look at it in that light. But yeah, fucking amazing album nonetheless. All right. Yeah, was just because, yeah. Also, just some is not a classic doesn't mean it's not fucking amazing. I don't love it. I should have said well, that at the beginning, but yeah. I mean, I, I really hope we don't have listeners that are yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that uh slow. But yeah. uh, let's dig into yours. Let's dig into <sighs> Party Next Door Two, PND Two. I'm nervous to talk 20, about. I'm nervous to talk about PND. 2014 July. 2014 yeah released by ovo sound and yes. warner records the so, lead lead single was muse second yes. single was her way and then possibly the biggest single off it was uh recognize which came yes. out they released as a single the same day as the album so when i think about this album and why it's a classic for me personally it's a classic when i said at the beginning there's a lot of different ways to define a classic it's just a really fucking good album it's important to the genre blah 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 i think for me this album hits on all of those definitions because to me the music is really great it's a very in structure it's like a very traditional r&b introduction to an artist it's 12 album song and there's only one feature um he does all the songwriting he does all the beats it's very like well not not doing the beats part but he does all the writing on it it's traditional in that way but i really love it and another reason why it's a classic to me i'll just say it at the beginning the importance of this album uh as as far as a influential standpoint a lot of people when they look at this album and they look at this time in r&b they go straight to house of balloons house of balloons came out two years before this and when people look at modern R&B, especially from the male side, they go a lot to House of Balloons. But when I look at some of these guys doing R&B, when I look at Black, um, when I look at Bryson Tiller, when I look at uh, that guy who I won't say his name because he's a piece of shit, but the guy who made love, um, a lot of what these artists were doing, to me, I attributed that influence to Party Next Door 2 and Party Next Door 1 more than I attributed to it, it to House of Balloons. House of Balloons is a fucking classic record of its own. I think we both agree. But I, I just, I don't think that album is as, as influential as people make it seem. I think it's great, classic. 
one of the some of the best shit to come out from that time. But I think PND2 was more of a blueprint for a lot of these guys in the future. I remember when this album came out, people did not know what to call this album. <laughs> they were calling it rap. Some people had the audacity to call this shit rap. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know why. Um, they were calling it PB R&B, which was some weird ass subgenre they were calling it at that time. And yeah, people just did not know what to call this type of music. Party was at the forefront of this style to me. So just for that, before I even get into the music, I think that's why it's a classic because it planted a lot of seeds that people would uh, use later. Um, I didn't pick this album, but the same year, Jenny Aiko dropped Sold Out. And I would make a similar argument for why that album is a classic too. It planted a lot of seeds for what people like Summer Walker and uh, Kehlani, her, or uh, SZA, other people would do later on. Um, so yeah, that is on the influential side where I think this is a classic. <clears throat> the other reason I think this is a classic is because there are just 12 fucking amazing songs on here that sync really well to me. Um, there's no features, so you just, well, there's one feature, but so you just get to hear Party and his idea and his thoughts and every, everything comes through the way he wants it to because it's pretty much only him. There's no other people getting in the way of that. Um, this album was recorded. He's from Toronto, uh, Mississauga, Canada. But this album was recorded in uh, Miami. And you can kind of hear that when you listen to these songs. To me, it makes me think of like a summer in Miami with like a lot of money and chicks around. <laughs> like that's what this album makes me think of. So I'll start at the end, which is my favorite song, which is called Muse. We talked about it. Um, to me, it's a song of this album. He's talking about Kehlani on here, probably. We don't know for a fact, but he's probably talking about Kehlani. There's a couple songs on here where he's talking about girls from Oakland, girls that look like models, girls with tattoos, <laughs> like like a lot of Kehlani-ish references all throughout this album. Um, some really great samples on this album, too. Party just, I, I don't, it's tough for me, it's tough to find an album from this time from the 2010s R&B that has produced this good front to back. The production on here to me is really, really amazing. Um, where a lot of people will find issue with it is the songwriting to me, but I would agree with kind of like when we talked about 21, um, he just doesn't get in the way of the production, which is fucking great. <laughs> it's the highlight of the record to me. So I didn't talk a ton about the music because it's very one dimensional in the subject matter you know he's i mean that's that's my biggest gripe with it yeah, a yeah. lot everything blends together yeah. um i let me think so like my relationship with this i heard it two maybe a year after it came out probably the year it came out actually um that's when i was kind of getting into i think i went back and listened to party next door the first one before yeah. Like as the second one was coming out, and I was listening to both of them, and like you said, this isn't even close to the best Party Next Door album to me. Right. Uh, the first one is another level. It's one of my favorite R and B albums of the of that decade. Maybe the best one of that year. I'm not really familiar with 2013 off the top of my head right now, but 2013 PMB, was a big year. I think that was Channel Orange, Kaleidoscope Dream shit like that that was, okay. that was a pretty big year all right then yeah maybe not but <laughs> it was it was noteworthy for people kind of in the space because it was kind of this thing that was underground it was bubbling it was new so people were kind of finding out about it but yeah there was, was a lot of bigger stuff happening as well um and it all really sounded similar to me and as i was listening to it this week to try to get more familiar with it i remember uh i really like belong to the city I love so actually this, this morning i was like let me let me throw on belong to the city i hit play and the next thing i know it's i over. felt like <laughs> no i felt like uh then i heard uh fwu yeah Be belong to the city is only like a minute and a half so yeah it's it's gone but grown now. woman grown woman played in between and i didn't really notice oh okay okay so that's my issue. 
I feel like it just blends together a little too much. And as we talk about the songwriting, um, nothing really differs. Like, Belong to the City and Grown Woman are, and fuck, they're all about the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that is the thing that I, we talk. We talked about 21 and how he kind of jumped around places in the album. This doesn't really jump around. It doesn't even jump around in tone very much. Uh, I felt like Party Next Door won. He was having a lot more fun. Uh, Make a Mill. Make a Mill is a great, like, upbeat song. And I, I don't know. Should I go on my R&B rant now or later? When <laughs> uh, well, that might be a whole episode. We're going to have to get some people for that. But because, I, yeah, that'll happen for sure. I will say that the main reason why I didn't want to pick this album is because I think to a lot of people who are in the space of this genre and who love this genre, um, I think a lot of those people recognize it as this very important record. I was talking to the day that I solidified that I was going to pick this album. I sent our, our good friend JTR. I was like, Hey, random question is party next door to a classic. And he was like, Ooh, this is a good question. Give me a minute. And then he was like, let me look at the track list. And I think he ended, I don't, I don't know if he ended up saying yes or no, but he was like <clears throat> conflicted with it. I think he was leaning yes, but it to me, it's it's a classic for folks who are in that space of alternative R&B um, in the 2010s and who love what R&B grew to be now with, you know, guys like Black and Tiller, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. But yeah, it was tough for me to pick this record because to anyone outside of the space, this shit is probably not a classic to you. Like, there's probably not any good songs on it. This shit is horrible. Party Next Door can't sing. Like, if you're not inside of this space, then it, it doesn't grab you. But No, there are definitely songs on here I like. I'm not going to say I didn't like the album. Yeah. Uh, I saved a few. Yeah, One, I mean, and two, also, you're, you're kind of, yeah. you're in this, you're, when I say in this space, you're kind of in, you're in this space too, really. Like, yeah. I mean, my, so my main issue with, I'm, I'm going to keep it like within this conversation, but yeah, my main we'll, we'll do the greater with, R&B thing yeah. later. <laughs> my main issue with alternative R&B is I don't like how like slow and mel- melodical it is. Mm-hmm. And it's very emotionless. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to do that, I'd prefer you do more upbeat and more fun songs. Um, again, I like reference like Make Mill uh, right now. Like those are songs on Party Next Door One that like he felt like he was having more fun with. So I enjoy that more. It's not there. Like I do like the other stuff. Like I do like Recognize. I do like Fuck With You. I, mm-hmm. I do like six black and or black and mm. i do like the weekend and all that other stuff but it, it's a lot more pick and choose when it comes to that side of the genre compared yeah. to every, everything else yeah and my, my yeah my main thing with arguing that it's a classic i really have to preface it with if you're a fan of this thing if you like no, this but you type don't, of alternative R&B. you don't really have to preface it though because it can be I mean, we keep throwing around. I, I, we got to find another word besides classic. I feel redundant saying the word <laughs> classic all the time, but it can be a classic within that area and that genre. Yeah, and that, that's all because, I'm trying to say. I think because it did that, make an impact classic. within it. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm. A, I mean, I'm unqualified to talk about any of this shit, but <laughs> I'm not as uh, I'm not as enthusiastic to argue about whether this has the same impact as house of balloons or any of the other stuff and i think one of the big reasons of that is like you said people usually gravitate to house of balloons for a reason right that's especially in this space and this look <laughs> wikipedia has the genre of this as alternative r&b lo-fi and chill wave uh, right and like people that's, that's people just thing. did not know how to categorize this shit which it's and like I said it earlier, I'm kind of sounding redundant, but to me, that's part of the reason because the, like that shit, what I just said, it's, it's R&B now. Like when you, when you think of R&B, it's, it's shit like this. And yeah. he was there to it first. Well, not first. 
because we kind of talked about weekend show like that but he was there early and i think he made an album that a lot of people pick and choose from and he made a lot of good songs in the process like i i like i talked about alternative universes i'd like to think of the alternative universe where bryson tiller tries to make trap soul but this album doesn't exist it just yeah i'd work black tries to make free black and this album doesn't exist where i mean party next door was huge like that's that's another thing like the first he's been skating off those first two albums for god knows how long he created those two and he solidified a fan base that is going to keep checking the hope that he reaches the peaks that he hit on these first two and i i don't know how many people get to say that especially in r&b because that's i mean i don't maybe i shouldn't say this but i feel like that's a genre where you have a lot of great one album and they kind of fade away after that great one. Uh, it's yeah, hard to I would, consistent. I think a lot of people, a lot of folks in this genre, they that happens a lot. I think a lot of them do end up keeping core fan bases just because they love the music. Um, Ro James is a guy who comes to mind for that because he dropped El Dorado in like 2016, which was one, of the, better, one of the better albums I year. Amazed. And I don't know if we've heard a I don't know if we've heard a Ro James album since. But whenever we do get a Ro James album, I don't know if we've heard a song as good as Permission since. Yeah, I mean, but whenever Ro James decides to put an album out, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to be there front and center. So he put out something recently. I think yeah, the album it might have. I think he's put out yeah, I think he's put out some shit. But yeah, um, I'm trying to decide what I want to say about this because I could the main thing that I love on this just musically how he was able to do some of this stuff when there wasn't really a reference for it in terms of how do I make, how do I make a song like this? It he just did. It just the OVO basement, man. <laughs> you spent too much time down there. You start yeah. hallucinating. You like, start coming up with ideas. Yeah. It just didn't exist at this time. And uh, I know parties, I think the, like one of the label guests for OVO, I was reading somewhere he was talking about this album and how influential it was and stuff like that. And he was like, we just, we signed party and we kind of just let him make this album because yeah. That's I mean, what you should do with artists. Man. Yeah. I mean, he writes, produces, them and let them make their music yeah. instead of <laughs> trying to hinder it. And you end up with this, but uh, let me ask you about sex on the beach. How do you feel about sex on the beach? Sex on the beach is just off the top of my head a top three song on this album muse is the best is, song is it on better this. is it better or worse than disclosures it's better it's better, better? yeah okay. um and yeah this is probably my favorite instrumental um like i said this album was made in miami like i can kind of get that vibe off of this song and a lot of songs um which is another weird thing because when people think about this genre they think of like this dark kind of music and even when you talked about it a lot of the songwriting and the vocal delivery to you was kind of dull but it's interesting when it's backed by some of this production it's kind of warm it's kind of beach like um which isn't really something that you you would think would match what he's doing lyrically but to me it meshes over really well it keeps me engaged because you know what he's saying is a lot of i'm making money i'm working i'm fucking bitches (laughs) i'm cheating like yo He's even simping on a couple songs on here, which I really enjoy. Like he's dirty macking on a couple songs, which I love. But that damn, I really enjoy. Yeah. You feel connected there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was definitely listening to this in like twenty, like twenty eighteen, at night in college, like driving around, doing all kinds of. Yeah, right. You got it. You understood it. Yeah, Spoken. but it is funny that you bring up Sex and the Beach. Sex and the Beach is just this. Um, to me, it's the first standout on the album. You get the intro, which is kind of this warm introduction to it. The first lyric you hear is the summer's over. Um, so you think you're going to kind of get this dark, wintry album, but you don't really. Like, there's this weird juxtaposition of the beats are warm to me. Like, and people don't talk about that when they talk about this album. The beats are warm, but the lyrics aren't. And even the way the songs feel aren't. But I love that. I love that clash in this album. Um, but yeah, Sex on the Beach is the first standout to me. It's my first song that I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be something that I really might enjoy. And then we get <clears throat> Into Her Way, which is another song that I really love. I love the hook on here. It's very simple, but I love the way he delivers it. A lot of the hooks on here, they're very simply written, but the way he delivers them, I just really 
find myself gravitating to it. This is an album that, like I said, I've found tough to pick because it's tough for me to argue. I, it's tough for me to argue it. I just really love it. I just really love everything that I'm hearing on here. Um, yeah. It, it is, it, it's a tough thing to like, for us to argue beyond we really like it. Yeah. When it comes to this stuff. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I, the, my main reason that I think this is a classic is just because of how important it, it was. Yeah, yeah, the influence, how important it was. But even just on this, like I said, to me, it's it's a classic on all fronts. There's not a song on here that I, there's not a song on here that's skippable to me. And when how it do plays you, out, I play it all the way through. How do you feel it retains, like, in the conscience? Do you think people think about this album and go back and listen to it? Or do you think it's something that is more uh, of a textbook people do not think about this album the way they should to me okay a lot of that is a lot of that to me some of that can be placed on ovo but some <laughs> of some of it can't because this is like music that's really fucking hard to promote like none yeah. of these none of these songs are radio songs this was before playlisting so you can just throw shit on a playlist like this is something that it grew to be something that people people were used to hearing from R&B. But at the time, like I said, people just didn't know what the fuck this was. Um, and they didn't know how to react to it. But yeah, I think this is an album that people don't know, but they should. How do you feel about like, like, how do you feel about Party Next Door's like SoundCloud songs in between this? Because this is, that's really where I picked up on him. Like, between before party next door in between party next door to maybe a little bit after i know he put out a lot of like just free music a lot of these like small singles on soundcloud and that's what i wish party next door to was um i he obviously had to refine things some more but it, it felt like he reached a different space in this and that's like that space and like that kind of music he was making is probably what you you were looking for and yeah. a lot of people were looking for and ended up inspiring a lot of music afterward yeah i love what party has done with soundcloud lucy's his whole career um he has the colors ep the colors too he packaged them together on streaming recently as everyone has but yeah i think party there's so party such an interesting guy to talk about because his albums aren't really the shit that you kind of think about with party pnd one's not really an album it's kind of more like an ep mixtape type thing soundcloud mm -hmm. lucy's and he's obviously a really big songwriter um mm -hmm. and there might even be some ghostwriting that he's doing for drake <laughs> um Probably. so yeah when you think about party his albums aren't what comes to mind for most people which is really which sucks for me because i think this is the this is the most important thing that Party Next Door has done and will do in his career. It, like, bar none, it's not even close. Like, this is the shit that Party Next Door did that mattered to music the most. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it it will never get that credit. Um, I think to people who are really diehard fans of the genre and the subgenre, I think they give it that credit, but it'll never get that credit in, in terms of the masses. So. Well, I got cold hard fact numbers for you okay the yeah the numbers will not be good for this album i already i already know that they are they are not good but i don't i don't even bad. i don't even know if this album is gold to be honest <laughs> like they are it is gold okay. sold over five hundred thousand units yeah metacritic which takes several reviews and yeah composites of score based off the reviews so they don't decide but they take what like the consensus is 46 out of 100 yeah and that yeah that's the only thing like i was saying my album was an 81 out of 100 <laughs> so who's right here <laughs> this is a thing where and i think man and obviously like that's the gift and a curse of kind of doing like a new thing sometimes people are like dude what the fuck is this <laughs> like mm -hmm. some pe people just don't know yeah. and they don't get it because it's a new thing so and, are you yeah. are you expecting a renaissance soon a pnd2 renaissance soon no this you album the you're not this gonna leave the charge look at that he's not even fighting for it <laughs> this album like well to, like i said to me this album 
I've and if you listen to this podcast the past seven episodes, you know how much I fucking love R and B. Um, and I've even I've argued it in our Discord a couple times late at night with Roby or some other fucking R and B heads that you're not gonna find a lot of R and B albums that are this important in the past since like 2010. You're just not to me. Like, um, and I wish I could f- have more ways to argue it, <laughs> but it's yeah, you're just not gonna find a lot of albums to me that are this good for one and that are this important for the genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers the numbers are not good. I, I will say it, it, it didn't it didn't do well. It didn't resonate at the time. And as far as party's career, shit kind of went down after this. Um, Let's hear the closing argument. What's the final case? So the final case for me is this album is a classic. If you are someone who is an avid fan of where a lot of not even alternative, a lot of just where a regular R&B is today. I think when you look at what people are doing, a lot of those seeds were planted on this album. And a lot of credit was given to House of Balloons. Like I said, House of Balloons definitely still deserves some credit because House of Balloons came before. And yeah, I definitely think Party fucking heard House of Balloons and it was something that was influential when he made this album. But I think House of Balloons to me, I'm I'm trying, I'm gonna try not to make this too much of a tangent, but House of Balloons to me had a bigger pop feel than it gets credit for. Like there's some there's some indie poppy sounds on House of Balloons, but it just it gets this credit as this dark RB record, which well, is weird because it's dark, it's darker and in dark RB more than people were used to. So yeah. I mean it, yeah. it had the pop feel to still get people interested though. Yeah. But but you making a case based off house of balloons you got to give me a case that's not based off house of balloons man um i will house of balloons is an influential record too for this this subgenre that i love so much house of balloons is important but pnd2 what pnd1 did when you look at from house of balloons to like pnd1 it kind of turned that into this is just r&b it's nothing else like with the weekend, there's some pop influence, there's some indie influence. This is just RB that I'm making right now. There's really not a pop edge to it. Um, and then from PND1 to PND2, he said, in my opinion, PND1 is the mixtape, the introduction. I'm going to turn this into an album now. And I'm going to mm-hmm. make this the introduction to a new thing. I feel like PND even knew at that time that what this was going to be to someone like me. I think he knew that this was going to chain off and start new shit i think he he knew he was first to me with this album so that's the main reason why it's a class to me he was just there first even if like if you're like me and you love all the songs and they're great if you're not um it's a classic for that reason um it was there first all right well i'm gonna say i don't think we changed either of our minds here we did not but that's fine because we had, we, we had a good talk about it you know yeah that's even we we let lee wax poetic a little bit about pnd2 yeah I got, if, I got some shit off about i am greater than i was you know if you ever just want to hear me ramble for an hour we just talk about anything r&b related i'll talk all fucking day dude like no don't no doubt um but yeah i love talking this because even though we didn't change our minds there's like this polarness that we feel to these records and we both got to like lay it out there why we mm-hmm. feel that way and that's always a cool thing to look at even though you know we didn't change those minds we had a had a good time talking shit yeah well thanks for listening if you made it this far yes remember to like subscribe give us five stars you know all that good stuff all that good um, shit we appreciate you thank you for listening we're trying to get better every week all that good shit all that. we appreciate um, it any, any comments complaints concerns at saturday week direct them right to youngest he will answer all your, if you want if you want to be a guest on this podcast if you want send, to a, be a guest, <laughs> send a dm to at saturday week. yeah we're gonna have to figure out this guest situation dude like so yeah. many people want to come on this shit like yeah and on top of that uh we we really don't know what we're doing week to week it's usually yeah. midweek we're inspired by something we hear some shit and we decide that's what we want to talk about um yeah it comes so yeah if you have something uh send it to and if you really just want to talk about it send it to us and we'll have you on and we'll talk what we enjoy don't say us don't 
they'll send you, it you, you can send it to, you can send it to me i know guess wise we, we whenever joe gets back we got we gotta have joe back we gotta finish yeah, that we gotta we finish that draft. draft we might um, do other drafts because the reception to that was like really good for some reason yeah. so we might do more people drafts. like people like lists people like drafts yeah um, so. tell us what you like and don't like and we'll try to make episodes we can for you uh, indeed I made the whole episode in a Yankee fitted without mentioning Papoose once. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay. La- last thing, and we will fucking get out of here. I swear to God. Uh, 25th, 25th anniversary of Reasonable Doubt just came up. What's the best song on Reasonable Doubt? Uh, feeling it. Okay. Feeling it. Uh, 222s. Uh, 222s. Can I live? It's, it's Dead uh, yeah. Presidents 2 for me, but yeah, shout out to Reasonable Doubt, 25th year. Dead Presidents 2. Just I came mean, up. A record oh. that we both love. We might have to talk about. We might have to rank Jay Z's catalog for an episode. Uh, yeah that that doesn't That's... seem like something people would be interested in. But <laughs> we can we can do one for them before we do one for us. We yeah. do one for them, then we'll do one exactly. For us. Exactly. But, right, yeah, man. man. If if you got forty minutes, listen to the DJ play play. Don't listen to that shit. Forty minutes. Cypher. Don't listen to that. Lee's definitely going to get to it, bro. One day. All right, man, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Have a good week, and we appreciate it.